Alexander. Shabbat for three. Bingo! Butler will get it for the win. Butler will get it for the win. Butler will get it for the win. He is hard to believe. Here's Jordan. What's going on, guys? Welcome to another 2022 NBA playoff recap. Before we get started, please make sure to subscribe on YouTube at Dime Jumper Podcast, Apple Podcasts, leave a review if you'd like, follow us on Spotify, and of course, to follow us on all social media platforms at Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Dime Dropper Pod. So for tonight's episode, we got two games on the schedule, second round, you already know how it is, live in Los Angeles right now. Apologies again for going live a bit too late. I've got to be better with my time, my time management. It's tough these days, ladies and gentlemen. So many distractions. I freaking hate my phone so much. If I have any advice to you guys, I'd say get away from your freaking phone as much as possible. I'm serious. Get away from that thing. It is the most addictive thing, more addictive than any drug or anything I've ever done. It is terrible, guys, and it can take people of all ages, but the younger you get started, the worse, and right now, I'm fucked, and it's even worse that my, you know, with Dime Dropper, I'm involved with Twitter, Instagram, all this stuff, always on Twitter, trying to build that up, so it forces me to go on it, but yeah, guys, stay off of it as much as you can. Get some air. Breathe, but let's get started for tonight's games. I actually kind of like doing that. From now on, I'm, I'm going to see if I can if I ever have some practical advice to give and keep it a little bit away from basketball. I'm going to try to start doing that sometimes too because I feel like that's relatable. Get off your fucking phones. But if you're watching, unless you're watching me on your phone, that's different. Anyways, let's get into it. I'm going to start with the Celtics and the Bucks. And apologies, guys, again, with that time management. The reason why I say that is because I didn't get to watch the first quarter and the Celtics kind of took the game in the first quarter. And it's so funny because I was talking to my friends today from uh, Massachusetts and I was like, you know, the Celtics haven't led really by more than one point any of their home games so far in the playoffs. If they can get off to a hot start, Jalen and Jason Tatum get some shots, hit some shots early in the game, then maybe they can get some momentum and it just carries them on, the crowd's into it, and they kind of take the... Just don't give the Bucks a chance. And that's literally what they did. Exactly what they did. And it starts on the defensive end for Boston, always. The big thing, though, today was that Marcus Smart was out with a thigh contusion. Terrible loss, losing the defensive player of the year. And you are, I mean, of course, it's a huge loss. Huge loss. But hopefully it's not multiple games. And here's the thing. You know, a lot of people are starting, we're starting to say, oh, Bucks, Bucks going up 2-0. <laughs> And it's like, man, if, if we're really counting the Celtics, if people are like really counting the Celtics out that easily, especially when Chris Middleton's already out, so there's really no excuse for the Celtics. Chris Middleton, Marcus Smart, you know, you can argue importance, which one's more important all day long. Chris Middleton is the better player. And the Celtics, I think, it's if Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum hoop, you know, Marcus Smart, as great as he is, you saw how amazing they were defensively tonight, even without him. I'm not saying that Marcus Smart's not important, doesn't help this team. He does. But 
No excuses for the Celtics, and they made none. They went out and got the job done from the get-go. And Jalen Brown, we were talking. The, the main thing I said last episode was that they were not getting to the mid-range. They shot 53s as a team, and at the basket, Brooke Lopez and Giannis and Bobby Portis were smothering everything. I looked at the highlight. First basket Jalen Brown shot, dropped coverage, stepped into that 18-footer. The shot that he became so good at last season that was, in my opinion, the best regular season of his career before he got injured, especially the beginning of the season. He was nuts. But Jalen Brown was a good, was killing in the mid-range last year. So don't go away from that even if you're so good at threes because he, he shoots pretty efficiently. But, man, get, don't neglect the mid-range. Mid-range wins chips. It's just it's just the truth, and please don't be an idiot in my comments and say, "What about DeRozan?" There are always exceptions, man. The mental game is the is the most important of it all. It's all about the mental game, the confidence, and the big moments. This is grown man basketball in the playoffs, my friends. Anyways, Jalen Brown getting to the mid range and getting stops leads to transition, and once he started hitting a couple jumpers. He was hitting everything that I saw in the highlights. Jason Tatum was hitting, was hitting shots. Grant Williams finding him on driving kicks. And now you got to start honoring drives because you're honoring the three ball. And then you already know what happens. Dribble penetration. And plus, Milwaukee Bucks allowed what? 65 points in the first half? Let's check it out right now. 65 points in the first half. So they were down already 11 points, 32-21 after the first quarter. So there you go. Stamping your authority quickly. And 65 points is a lot, so it's hard to get out in transition because the Bucks. what was the main thing they, they did last game that I said? Got out in transition on misses. Transition threes, Grayson Allen, Connaughton, Giannis, drawing two defenders. Tonight, no transition. Charles said it best at halftime. No transition when you're constantly taking the ball out. Celtics did whatever they wanted. Well, I wouldn't say whatever they wanted, but they were in their rhythm. They were in rhythm, hitting shots early and continued. They went a little cold, though, in the second half. Giannis stepped it up in the second half. But the way they guarded Giannis, you know, constantly having help ready, two guys on him, what I saw in the second half. Even Peyton Pritchard forced a turnover in him one-on-one, forcing him out of bounds, stepped on the line, created a lot of offensive fouls. And Giannis, you know, the thing about him is he needs to kind of, if his jump shot is a bit suspect still. And... He only shot four threes tonight, made one, but they're really sagging off, going underneath screens. There were some where it's like they're leaving him open for like 12-footers. And that mid-range is important. And if you're just going to, like, he literally, I'm sorry, and I really like Giannis. I've said he's, the, in my opinion, the best player in the NBA right now. But just he's just charging into people constantly. Like, I don't know how sustainable that is. You know what I'm saying? He needs to do it. He needs to simplify it a little bit more. He can't go back to that. You know, he's not doing it like he used to, where he did it from the top of the key. But the Celtics have some really good defenders, and in the half court, Giannis needs to stay away from these offensive fouls and constant extensions. And he just lowers the shoulder. He rams. He could get called for so many offensive fouls, guys. I'm being serious. Like, he just needs to be careful. Is all I can say. He gets the superstar benefit of that, but tonight he did not. And I liked it. And, and even tonight, he got some calls I saw that were just like, some calls they didn't call where I was like, geez, like six turnovers tonight for Giannis. 28 points, nine rebounds, seven assists, but 11 for 27 from the field. They did the job on him. He had a good second, second half. I mean, third quarter, he had 16 points. But again, they took it away early. That's all that mattered. Three for 18 
That's all the threes that the Bucks shot. 18. That's like 2000s right there. 2000s amount of attempts. 18 threes. Wow. And then the Celtics, 20 for 43 from three. Totally different night for them. They were hot in the first half. It was really all about that first half. Jalen Brown, 30 points, just answering the call, exactly what they needed. 11 for 18 from the field, 6 for 10 from three. Jason Tatum, 10 for 20, 5 for 10 from three, played 43 minutes, 29 points and eight assists, three steals and a block. Al Horford, 11 and 11. He was just, when I, from what I was watching, just awesome, as he's, always, as he's been all playoffs. Derek White was 0 for 6. But I'd have to think he played good defense playing 28 minutes and plus 22. Like, he had to have played some good defense out there. Especially when you only allowed 86 points to the Bucks. Rob Williams, 10 points, 5 rebounds. Had some nice dunks in transition that I saw. 4 for 5. And then Grant Williams, 21 points from him. 6 for 9 from deep. Grant Williams, there were even some plays where I thought the Celtics also started getting a little bit too into the driving kick where they were like neglecting floaters and little in-between shots in the second half. But Grant Williams was making some plays where now people are like closing out at him hard and he can drive and kick and it's it's beautiful. Just how much that three ball has opened up his game and made him able to stay on the court for longer minutes. You know, Ime doesn't want to take him out because now he's got the three and the D. If he's always had the D, now he's got the three. And that creates other opportunities for you as, as a player. And he is seizing those. So great win for the Celtics. They did exactly what they had to do. 109-86 was the final score from TD Garden. Did a great job on Giannis. Both games have held Giannis to pretty inefficient stat, inefficient uh, shooting nights. So they're doing a great job on him. And Giannis, he needs to, what I think Giannis' adjustment needs to be is needs to embrace the low post back-to-basket a little bit more. But he needs to, I'd hope he has the fundamentals. I saw it last year, I believe, to be dominant in the low post without committing offensive fouls, swinging the elbow so hard, lowering the shoulder constantly, without ramming into people. Go up strong, but don't need to do all the extras. I think he can I think he's capable of doing that. A little bit of that low post, keep continuing to start your move as deep as possible. Less ball handling behind the foul line and top of the key. Because you'll still draw the two defenders running full speed, but it's very easy to get offensive fouls and they can build the wall. And then you're just relying on your shooters to hit threes. So low post, mid post, catch the ball at the elbows. But that mid-range shot unlocks everything. And he's been hitting that this year. So he's got to be able to hit that. I think he will. But do I think this series is going 3-1 back to Boston? Fuck no. I think it's going 2-2. We gotta, we're going to have a series. But this game three is going to be really interesting. I think Giannis is going to have an efficient night. He's going to be great. But the C's, it's all about if, if Marcus Smart can play too, that's big. But let's move on. Shout out to everybody in the comments uh, or in the live chat. Super chat to turn on if you want to drop a dollar or a dime. And now let's go to the Memphis Grizzlies and the Warriors. All right. Memphis and Golden State. So what's crazy is I turned this game on four minutes in, and I had already missed so much. That's what was so action-packed about this game. Another action-packed game in this series. These first two games have been thrilling. Also, head-scratching at times. I'm going to get into that. But by the time I turned on the game, I had heard that Gary Payton Jr. 
had a wrist injury of some sort. Now it turns out he has a fractured elbow, which is huge news. And I want to talk about the I'm going to talk about the implications of that in a second. But Dylan Brooks, you know, he's had a history of making somewhat dirty plays in the league and just being aggressive. And I just don't agree with hitting guys in the air. It's very dangerous, and we've seen injuries with that so much. And it's just, thank God you're in a gym. I always imagine people outside because whenever I imagine going up, I'm usually playing outside. But hitting guys in the air is just so dangerous. And now you have a serious injury caused because of that. Dylan Brooks got ejected from the game. That's a big loss for the perimeter defense of Memphis. And then Draymond Green got elbowed in the eye. Unintentionally, though. And he was out of the game when I when I turned the game on. So I'm just watching the game, and the Memphis Grizzlies were up 8-1 to one already. So they had gotten off to a pretty good start. And John Morant was hitting the three ball again tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Hitting that three ball, and he was hitting it late. It was the difference maker in the game. It totally opened up his game a little bit more and just made the Warriors pay for the way that they were guarding him. But early on, I thought... Jaw was able to get to the rim first and foremost because without Gary Payton now, it's like either than, other than Andrew Wiggins, who's standing in front of Jaw? You know, the Warriors are going to switch everything a lot. Who's standing in front of him and can do a great job? With no help. He was getting into that paint tonight, two feet. They don't have the same length that the, that the Minnesota Timberwolves did. And Patrick, I mean, Steph Curry, he had a fantastic defensive game to me tonight. I thought he was everywhere getting over every screen, getting his hands on loose balls, getting his hands in the passing lanes. But he's not going to be the guy that's going to guard Jaw one-on-one. And like I know he did it last game, late game, but throughout the game, that's not sustainable. That's not what you – that's your best option, good luck. Wiggins is the best option. We saw that more in the second half. But I don't know, guys. It's because the three ball opened up the game for Jaw. That's really it, but – Draymond's Draymond's absence was also felt on that end because they didn't have rim protection for a little bit. However, Jordan Poole, thought first half, was making some fantastic passes. The actions with Steph Curry and Jordan Poole setting screens for one another are really, really hard to guard. John Morant usually involved in those pick and rolls. The Warriors were going to John, putting John Morant in the pick and pop a lot. And you've got to show on Steph Curry off the dribble. You've got to throw two at him for a second. And Jordan Poole on that short roll, it's dangerous, ladies and gentlemen. It's dangerous. They just carve you apart, the Warriors. And the off-ball movement, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, they'll trap Steph, blitz Steph Curry, right? He'll throw it up Jordan Poole, and you'll have somebody in the dunker spot already and Poole with the ball. And then all the attention's on that dunker and Poole. Wiggins or, or, or Clay will just cut out of nowhere and just give him another option going to the basket. It's just there. Everyone on the Warriors just adopts that off-ball aspect to the game since the, in this Kerr era. And it's 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 incredible to watch. It's kind of Spurs-esque in its own way, the way they move the ball, the way they played so unselfishly. The Warriors do that in a similar way, but it's a different era of basketball. More pick and roll, more you know, more centered around certain ball handlers. Anyways. I thought the Golden State Warriors or the Memphis Grizzlies started out the game really well. 33-25 after one. And without, by the way, without Dylan Brooks, I thought Steph Curry, he was having his way for the most part in terms of getting by guys. I thought he shot a lot of threes, some ill-advised threes in the game, 
even Steph, yes, even Steph Curry, some shots from Illivizer, mostly in the second half. But I just thought he was getting off the dribble really well and making plays, making a lot of plays. The guy, though, that really struggled for the Warriors tonight shooting the ball, Clay Thompson. Another tough shooting night for him. And this time he wasn't lucky enough to make the big plays to make up for it. Second quarter, Andrew Wiggins had a filthy dunk. And the Warriors, again, really missed. Well, Draymond entered, re-entered the game. But the Grizzlies were having their defensive issues. They couldn't stay in front of Poole and Curry. John Moran, I thought his effort tonight on defense was a lot better. He had some nice defensive plays with active hands. But the problem is when the Grizzlies, when they go with Jaron Jackson Jr. at the five, and they did for a certain stretch of the second quarter, they switch everything, right? And Ja, he's going to need some help on defense, right? On certain guys, Jordan Poole's. Steph Curry, they could not stay in front of Jordan Poole, although I can't really blame them one-on-one. And the Warriors obviously have have shooters, so hard to help sometimes. But when when the Grizzlies go to that switch everything, John Morant, it was less his on-ball defense that was hurting him, but more when he would get cross-matched on Andrew Wiggins. Andrew Wiggins was getting a lot of offensive rebounds, and the Warriors, because of that switch, when the Grizzlies tried to switch everything, were getting a lot of offensive rebounds, which is crazy because that's the exact opposite. And it's the second game in a row we're talking about this, exact opposite of what everyone was saying, including myself, going into the series, where the Grizzlies got so many offensive rebounds on the Wolves. And tonight, 14 offensive rebounds for the Warriors to 12 for the Grizzlies, but that evened out in the second half. They were getting a lot of second-chance points in the first half, the Warriors were. Somebody I thought, so talking about rotations, right, with Dylan Brooks out, we saw more DeAnthony Melton tonight. I thought he was spectacular. He had some incredible blocks, huge blocks, timely. I thought he actually, but he, but offensively, one for five, one for four from deep. I don't think he got much run for him, really. Didn't get many opportunities to play me because I've seen DeAnthony Melton play me can pick and roll and come off, for, come off screens for jumpers and, and very, you know, playmake a little bit. But it was mostly a John night tonight. It was a John takeover. He put the team on his back and was fantastic, especially late in the game. But Draymond Green, by the way, Draymond Green came back in the second quarter and I thought he looked great. He was making some amazing reads to the cutting Clay Thompson. And Clay Thompson, he was not hitting his three ball tonight, but he was fine. The, the baskets that he was scoring, great back cuts. Just great back or slipping the screens. He's so great at that. Such great off the ball move. He's such a great off ball player. Two of the best, you know, people talk about they're two of the best shooters of all time, but I don't know about all time in terms of off ball moving for Clay, but he's up there. In this era, I mean, Steph Curry's all timer off the ball. Clay Thompson, you can argue he's an all timer off the ball, but in this era, he's one of the best for sure. That makes them so easy to play with. That's what made it so easy for KD to play with them. Because Clay does remember Clay Thompson dropped what sixty points on like thirteen dribbles. That tells you right there. I mean, it's just off the ball movement, quick decisions, quick catch and shoot. Knows how to free himself. But tonight, two for twelve from deep, hurt him a lot. By the way, somebody we saw today with Dylan Brooks out was Zaire Williams. We have not seen much of him in the playoffs, but why we haven't seen much of him in the playoffs is a mystery to me after tonight because his versatility in terms of being able to guard multiple guys, he's like, I don't know how tall this guy is, but I'm going to actually take a look right now. He's listed as a shooting guard. He's 6'9", 
Okay, so there you go. 6'9 shooting guard. So no wonder he looks so tall. Switching on to multiple guys. You can guard Clay, you can guard Wiggins, you can guard Draymond, guard Curry, Poole, everybody. And it was really helping. But as I said, with the switching, Jaw was getting cross-matched a little bit. And he ended the half with some amazing finishes, Jaw Moran. One of them when he spun over his right shoulder, hung in the air at the body of Draymond. It was unbelievable. And that's another thing. The Warriors don't really have rim protection. Kevon Looney only played nine minutes. So when Jonathan Kaminga, who came in in the middle of the second quarter, by the way, I don't know why they didn't play him earlier. I think that was a mistake. Um, but Jonathan Kaminga and Otto Porter are really the only guys. And you saw a little bit of Damian Lee, eight minutes of him. And I don't think he was that bad, honestly. He made a shot. The only shot he took he made was a mid-range of good ball movement. But And, of course, Jordan Poole's coming off the bench. Otto Porter and Jonathan Kaminga, though, that's not real rim protection. So your tallest guy out there is going to be one of those two or Draymond. That's a difference from where Carl Anthony Towns was, or playing against Carl Anthony Towns, I should say, with the Wolves. That's the way the Wolves were guarding him, too. Carl Anthony Towns was showing on a lot of those screens to just take that instant line drive away from Ja. Instant downhill. And when he got to the rim, they were doing a great job of swarming him last minute. The Warriors have not been as sharp on those rotations, and I'm wondering if they don't really even have the length that the Wolves have with Vanderbilt, with Jaden McDaniels. And, of course, a guy like Patrick Beverly. I mean, Steph Curry's good, but Patrick Beverly, he's going to hound. He's a good guy to guard Jaw because he's so great at screen navigating and getting around. And They were doing a much better job with Jaw. More rim protection. Uh, should the Warriors start hedging and recovering? This is the thing. That's not their defensive principle. They like to switch. They did a little bit of that with Curry at times today. However, that, that's better for the guard-to-guard -guard stuff. With the big... I don't know. It's it's a dilemma. It's a dilemma for sure. Because the thing is, if you start forcing Jaw to move the ball, you get Desmond Bain potentially going again, and that's the last thing the Warriors need because they get they're gonna need the, this Jaw strategy. Jaw Morant, eighteen points in the fourth quarter, just absolutely took over the game. Forty seven points ended with forty seven points. Like. I don't know if that's going to happen uh, again in Golden's in, in San Francisco. They're going to need some help from other guys. They're going to need Jaw to trust those other guys. But if they start, but Jaw was really taking what the defense was giving him. And if the words are switching everything like that, he, he's going to be, and there's no Gary Payton besides Andrew Wiggins, who's really going to be able to guard him? Who's going to be able to stay in front? Jordan Poole, he was getting attacked a lot on defense. A lot. Somebody, by the way, who I thought was not helpful, and it hurts me, to, it pains me to say this. Kyle Anderson. He just looked like, I mean, he couldn't shoot. They were sagging off like crazy. He's not speedy to get off the bounce like that, get by you. He, he's just crafty and tries to use his body. And he was just not great, I don't think. And he played a good amount of minutes. The Warriors really would have been up if they, if they had just taken care of the ball in the first half, but they just turned the ball over way too much the entire game, really. Third quarter, by the way, was so interesting. A game of runs, a complete game of runs. Grizz, got it, Grizz would get it up to 10 because Ja was continuing to make threes. And then the Grizz start panicking. Warriors get a couple of buckets, <laughs> cut it back down to four. Grizzlies go back up to 10. Poole was kind of quiet in the third, but Curry, he was making plays. And Xavier Tillman was making plays. And one adjustment I saw from the Grizzlies was they were going more hedge recover with the Warriors, forcing them to move the ball instead of just uh, switching. And by the way, I thought Xavier Tillman 
was making plays, especially in that third quarter. He only played 13 minutes, but he got an and one. He was able. To, I remember one time he he got out to the three point line really well, and the, some of the closeouts from the Grizzlies players were really good tonight. And I just thought that he had some nice. He had some good minutes there for them. Seven points for him, six rebounds, three or four shooting. Somebody who I thought was ridiculous tonight in the bad sense, Jaron Jackson Jr. Does he even know that he has that he's in foul trouble? It feels like he has no idea with the way that he plays. <laughs> I don't even know what to say. Fouled out again tonight. Reckless. Reck like he his help is great. Last second help at the rim, but the problem is sometimes he doesn't even he just doesn't have control of his body sometimes. He flings it around recklessly. He needs to be much smarter going forward, not just in this series, but in this career, obviously. That's another thing he's gonna have to improve on. Man, it was brutal. But by the way, Desmond Bain played 32 minutes tonight, only seven shots. So that's what I'm saying. A lot of switch everything. John Morant, downhill. And he was hitting the mid-range. They were going underneath a lot of screens, even like somewhat close to the foul line. So John Morant tonight was actually kind of hitting his mid-range, and he even hit a floater like right outside the foul line. He he had a good shooting night tonight, and that changed a lot. And I'm not going to lie. People can't stay in front of John Morant without hand-checking. And they were calling a lot of hand-check fouls tonight on both sides. But what they weren't calling was when Jaw in the second half especially, and Curry, by the way, too, a lot of people at the rim John Curry specifically, we're just getting hammered at the rim. How are you going to call these ticky-tack perimeter fouls, hand-checking, but when they get to the rim, they're getting mauled. and not, well, Mauled is a strong word, but hit at the rim for sure. Contact, not being able to land. The same calls that get called on the perimeter, if not more, and, if, and more contact at the rim, mind you. Same concept, though, not able to land cleanly. Come on. I don't know if that's good for the game. But, and also, Jaw just... Sometimes when teams handcheck him, he he feels the arm in the cookie jar and he goes up to try to get the foul. And sometimes they're really fouls, and he wasn't getting those tonight. But Warriors, when they went to the a lineup that can switch more with Kaminga and Otto Porter, a lot of length, it was it was pretty good. I thought Kaminga actually gave them some pretty good minutes. He had nine points, five boards, three for seven shooting, good in that dunker spot. Draymond threw him one nice lob in transition. But I thought the Grizzlies defense just stepped up in the third. Um, but they just didn't score enough because they got reckless and started just chucking threes. I thought they were about to lose the game just chucking threes. Decent looks for the most part, but quick shots early in the shot clock to me. And you know what they were doing a poor job of too? All the turnovers the Warriors had, they were not doing a great job capitalizing off of them. Like the Warriors were actually capitalizing off the Grizzlies' mistakes to me much better. For example, there was one possession in the first quarter, three wide open threes, but they just kept shooting three. I thought after the you're missing two threes on the same possession, you wouldn't shoot a third three, especially when John Morant was the third shooter, missed them, and then Klay Thompson makes a three in transition the other way. You, you pay for that against great teams. You know, the Grizzlies, in that third quarter stretch when I was talking about game of runs, up and down, up and down, up 10, down, up 10, up four, all that. That's what they were doing, taking quick shots. Warriors would come down, you know, taking quick shots or turning the ball over for rushing, and the Warriors are capitalizing off of them. Steph Curry especially. I thought he was, outside of some of those turnovers, was making some – he also he had some nice mid-ranges tonight, just stopping on a dime or stepping back. Beautiful. 29 points for Jaw going into the third, and you think that's a lot, right? 
Klay Thompson was just broke all game, but fourth quarter was electric. Absolutely electric. And this is what happened. Jaron Jackson Jr. Foul in the beginning of the quarter on what I'm talking about, that help defense last second, but just jumping into to the contest. The Grizzlies, I thought they were going to blow the game because they had several chances to take the lead, and they didn't capitalize because they were shooting quick threes. But Curry had two straight turnovers at one point in the fourth, and they got penalized. Neck-to-neck game, down the stretch. Curry was since hit. I thought Curry was having some success late. Like you missed. I think I thought they missed Bain. I mean Brooks late in the game defensively on Curry, because he was getting by people for fun and creating good shots. And Andrew Wiggins and Clay Thompson they got a lot of solid looks. I thought Clay was jacking a little bit too much though, taking some some shots that weren't there, trying to get himself in rhythm. And that was exactly the criticism we had of him in the regular season that we had concerns about in the playoffs. And he hadn't been doing that really against Denver. He was hitting. And finally, here in the Memphis series so far, he's had some struggle shooting the ball these first two games. Tonight, 5 for 19 for him and 2 for 12 from 3 and 12 points. And then Andrew Wiggins. I thought Andrew Wiggins was good because his defense is good. And he had five offensive rebounds and nine overall and 16 points, which was the second leading or third leading scorer for the Dubs. 6 for 16, but 1 for 7 from 3. And a lot of those were just wide open. The, the Warriors did a good job of stick, staying attached to guys like Desmond Bain, but that also allows Jaw to have more lanes. The thing about the Wolves was they were just seemed like they were just swarming him the second he hit the paint if he did. And they were trying to keep him out of it by hedging and recovering, and that was forcing the good ball movement by the Grizz. But the Warriors take a different approach, and one-on-one, Jaw's got such a great first step. And even when you go underneath the screens, he does a great job of just... When you because when you go underneath the screens, the guy has space. A lot of guys tend to shoot with that space, but Ja, he takes that to try to get downhill. And he's so good at that. And his hang time is just phenomenal. And the Warriors don't have the same rim protection as I talked about earlier. The length of Otto Porter and Kaminga feels a little bit more like the Wolves. And I thought they had a little bit more success that way. But I still prefer, you know, Draymond, obviously Gary Payton Jr., and that's just a huge loss. Both teams started switching everything late. And Jaron Jackson Jr. was not a part of that because he fouled out of the game not knowing where Draymond was. Draymond, the savvy veteran, knew he had five fouls, stood there to set a screen, and Jaron Jackson just ran into him not knowing, and that was it for him. But both teams were switching everything, and John Morant was getting Jordan Poole a lot in that pick and roll, even Klay Thompson here and there, and he was getting two feet in the paint at will. It was insane. He was taking over the game. He hit threes. He got to the rim. Hang time. There was one play where he broke Jordan Poole on a half spin. It was insane. He was putting on a show. Superstar stuff by number 12. Taking over the game. And the Warriors, I honestly thought they were still going to pull it out, funny enough. They were down by three points after Ja just kept answering, kept answering. And Klay Thompson traveled. Traveled on a pump fake. It was It was brutal. And the Warriors fell after John made two free throws to seal the game. 106 to 101. A game that was there for the taking for the Warriors, but it really was a must win for the Grizzlies and a historic night for John. Listen to this stat, guys. With the 47 points that he scored, he joins only two players to have 45 plus points twice at 22 or younger. In NBA history. And guess who those two guys are? 
Kobe Bryant and LeBron James. Elite company, I'd say. Obviously, yes, different era, but elite nonetheless. 47 points, 15 for 31 shooting, 5 for 12 from deep. That's the big one, the threes. 12 threes for Jaw, but he hit him. He hit him, and he hit him in the fourth. 18 points for him in the fourth. 12 for 13 from the line. He hit his free throws as well. He was amazing. My only criticism is going to be going forward. I just think that was too much. Just like I criticized with Luka yesterday, too much jaw ball. I don't think he's going to be able to do that every single game. I just don't think he'll be able to hit those threes every single game in those mid-ranges. And the Warriors are going to do a better job of swarming the paint. However, I don't know how much they're going to buy into that because Dylan Brooks, Desmond Bain, let's see if they beat him. Let's see how Desmond Bain plays because seven shots is nothing. Absolutely nothing. Five points for Bain, two for seven. Thought he played some decent defense, but he was really quiet. Jaron Jackson Jr., 12.7 boards, three for 14 shooting. He had, he had a pretty good shooting first half, but he was part of that chucking I was talking about in the third quarter. Two for seven from three. Just his IQ needs to get better. Basketball IQ, of course. Brandon Clark, typical good minutes. 10 points for him off the bench, though, tonight. He went to the bench. Pretty sure they started Xavier Tillman last game, too, though. Four for four from the field for him. Didn't miss. Thought he gave him quality minutes. Zaire Williams, though, 14 points, five rebounds. He hit two big threes to make it, I remember, to give them the lead 86-83. Five for nine from the field and four for eight from three. Guarded basically everybody. The Grizzlies shot 45 threes. They made 14 of them, 31%. See, that's not great. The Warriors just turned the ball over 18 times. And Steph Curry was part of that. Draymond Green was part of that. He had Draymond Draymond had six points, 10 rebounds, seven assists, four turnovers, three for five shooting. I, th- I thought he was actually pretty good. But I was looking at this game more from a Grizzlies fan perspective. So I may have missed some subtle things. Because I was, it was a must win for Memphis. And they got the job done. It was the jaw show. But Zaire Williams was big as well. And the hustle was there. They just kind of were kind of shooting themselves in the foot with their decision-making sometimes. They did take care of the ball a lot better than the Warriors, though only 12 turnovers for them. But yeah, heroics from Ja. Let's see if they missed anybody for the Warriors that's big. Klay Thompson, as I talked about, 12 points, 5 for 19, 2 for 12 from deep. Otto Porter, 1 for 4, didn't really give any shots off. Jordan Poole, 20 points. Three rebounds, five assists, eight for 16 shooting, but one for six from deep. The Warriors, seven for 38 from three tonight. Did not have a good shooting night at all. I thought Curry took some ill-advised shots with a lot of time on the shot clock at times. And, you know, those you gotta, it's playoff basketball, Steph. I know you're Steph, but sometimes I think, especially on the road, be a little more patient. You guys get great shots. The Warriors get so many easy baskets and layups from cuts and just the attention Steph Curry gets because the thing about it is, if you want to take away those layups, you got to give them easy. You got to give them some threes, some easier threes. Steph Curry, a lot of these threes that he's shooting are not that easy. There was one terrible miscommunication though late in the game with Memphis, where it was Steph setting the screen, and he even really need to set one. It was like he faked the screen, and Zaire Williams and Jaw did not communicate, probably because they haven't played much playoff basketball together yet. And Steph popped down, hit a wide open three of all people to leave open on that Steph. But they adjusted on the next possession and got the job done. 106-101, the Grizz win it. And both teams just did not shoot well. The Grizz shot well from the free throw line, though, 95%. Warriors win the rebound battle again by 5, 52-47, but didn't matter. 
In the end, those seven threes made a huge difference. They shot seven more and they made seven more. Warriors need to be better. 18 turnovers. doesn't. It comes down to that, but it also comes down to Klay Thompson hitting shots, and I'm sure they will. I think the Warriors go up 3-1. I don't think Ja will have another game like that, but kudos to him. It was unbelievable. That's it for me tonight, guys. Super Chats are turning on if you want to jump a dollar or dime in the live chat. Let me know what you thought of this one. I'm a little bit tired, so sorry if I wasn't as coherent and, and as... I got. I know I got a little bit out of, out of sorts there, it felt like, in the middle, but hey, tell me what you thought. Peace out. Not of the live chat.